I am George James, and you are listening to the Magical Coach Podcast. It's the Magical Coach Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Magical Coach Podcast, brought to you by the Larry Bruno Foundation where our mission is to cultivate a culture in our community to develop students, athletics, and academic achievements by promoting professional coaching, team building, and family development. My name is Steve Higgins. I'm the director of the Larry Bruno Foundation's Hall of Achievement, and I'll be your host. Today, our guest is Judge George James. Judge James, known as the complete package, a college recruiter's dream who combined athleticism and intelligence. Graduated six in a senior class of over 350 students at Beaver Falls High School. He starred in three sports and received all-star recognition in each one. He received offers from seven major league teams in baseball, chose to accept a scholarship to Westminster College to play football and baseball. After excelling in both sports during his college career, Judge James again turned down pro offers and enrolled in law school of Dickinson College. He was appointed common plea judge in 1998 and was the first Afro-American to be appointed judge in Beaver County's 200-year history. Judge James, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. You were born and raised in Beaver Falls. Tell us a little bit about growing up in Beaver Falls and what was your childhood like? I grew up in the portion of Beaver Falls uh, known as Mount Washington. I was about six months old, uh, my older siblings tell me, when we moved from downtown Beaver Falls up to Mount Washington. I spent the majority of my younger life living in Mount Washington, and it was such a, a blessing to live there because as I grew older, I could understand the value of having been raised among families, uh, such name as Holowico, Romicas, Stadinas, Maceronis, Granadis, Ehrenbergs, Damascus, Schweigers, uh, just to give you a few, so to speak. And I learned to refer to my upbringing neighborhood as being the miniature League of Nations. There were only about five uh, black families in the Mount Washington area. When you think back historically, uh, sad to say, in this nation and uh, in various communities, even in the North, there were such things as segregation and uh, discrimination. Uh, But we didn't find that to be the situation in our neighborhood. In, In our neighborhood... I just realized I could be whoever I wanted to be. And uh, back then, it was a thrill to go to the movies here in Beaver Falls. And back then, we had four movie theaters, uh, Granada, Rialto, the state, and the region. And I mention them because I learned to imitate certain cowboys. Uh, I I sometimes uh, would... Roy Rogers, sometimes Wild Bill Elliott, sometimes Johnny McBrown. And uh, uh, the older blacks in the community told me, 
Uh, you can be whoever you want to be. You know, you want to imitate those cowboys, you can be whoever you want to be. So I say that by way of background because as I grew older and came into junior high school and high school here in the city of Beaver Falls, I found myself completely at ease because I, I was accepted among uh, the community. Judge, we at the Larry Bruno Foundation try to convey to today's youth the importance of academics. It's obvious that as a young man, you realized the importance of academics. What led you in that direction? Primarily at home, I had older brothers uh, and sisters. Actually, there, there were 12 of us children in the family. Uh, some passed away at young ages, but my elder brothers and sisters took the time to teach me at home how to behave myself wisely and how to read uh, with regularity. And so I owe so much to my brothers and sisters. There were three older sisters, and uh, uh, the rest were my brothers. And then when I look at my elementary school years, in those days, we did not have kindergarten. So I recall from first grade, I learned, I thought rather quickly that if I did well on my papers, not only would I get those gold stars, but I would get to play in big sandbox. At an early age, I noticed that the teachers had interests in the welfare of the students, and uh, so much so that as I grew older, I determined in my own mind that I was going to one day be a school teacher and an athletic coach. Well, Judge, you mentioned your family helping you. Um, were there any coaches or teachers that influenced you or inspired you to become the leader that, that you later became? The first who comes to mind was my gym teacher in seventh grade. Abby Walton. One day at the end of gym class, he called me and said, I, I want to talk to you after class. So after the other students left, he sat next to me in the bleachers and he said, look, I want you to understand that you have athletic ability much better than most of your classmates. I want you to think of quit hollering at them and quit criticizing them because they don't play as well as you do. And what I want you to think about is this. Be a leader. Those words, be a leader, somehow became embedded in my makeup. And until this day, those words seem to ring in my ears and throughout my system, be a leader, be a leader, be a leader. And I don't know that Mr. Walton knew at that time, nor even later in life, the impact those words he said to me would have. And they've shaped in part, in a great part, my attitude toward life in general. Based on your academic background, you could have pursued probably any field, professional field that you wanted. Why did you choose law as a career, and when did you decide you wanted to pursue law? First of all, I, I want to make it clear that being involved in law was really 
not my choice. Um, first of all, I want to back up and say for a moment what took me to Westminster College, or I should say who took me there, was uh, an elementary school teacher here in Beaver Falls. As I recall, he taught at Central Elementary. I did not even know him, but he came to me after one basketball game my senior year. And after the game, as I was leaving the floor, he came over to me. It was Vic Taylor was his name. He said, how would you like to go to Westminster College? And I just looked at him. He said, no, I'm serious. He says, uh, if you're interested, he said, I'm going to take you up there. So I'll make a long story short. He, he took me to Westminster and introduced me to the head football coach, Harold Burry. And uh, that was the beginning, so to speak, of my days at Westminster. But throughout my years at Westminster, I was convinced in my own mind that I was going to be a school teacher and an athletic coach until halfway through my senior year at Westminster. I heard an audible voice, and it was not the voice of the professor. And as I casually looked around, no one else seemed to have heard that voice. The voice said to me, go to law school. And I knew from that moment I could not ignore that voice. And so that is what got me to thinking seriously about law school. And as a matter of a few days, I talked to my aunt who lived in Carlisle within walking distance of Dickinson School of Law. And that briefly is how my law career began. So it sounds like listening to you talk about Westminster College that a lot of ideas happened at Westminster. So would you say Westminster College was very, very important in your development? I would agree wholeheartedly that Westminster was very, very, very important in the development of my life and career. And I would not hesitate to say that even there at Westminster, I met the young lady who later became my wife, and she and I have been married for over 54 years. She was not a student at Westminster. She came to watch her high school. She was a high school girl at the time I met her. She came to watch her high school wampum play in a championship basketball game at our field house at Westminster. Once I laid eyes on her, I began asking questions, and there were a couple uh, underclassmen who knew her well, but I didn't know that until I asked them. And one was Ron Galbreath, and the other was Mike Swanick. And they said, oh, we know her. That's Gina. You're talking about Gina. I said, how did I get to her house? They set me up there, and... Uh, that is one aspect of how important Westminster was in my life. But another thing is this, and I don't want to go into too much detail because there, there's a, a magazine article, I think back in the year 2005 maybe, that far back, a cover story about me, and a lot of those details are there. But the president of Westminster College and I became closely aligned. 
so much so that when my father passed away my junior year at Westminster, he passed away of a heart attack while working labor at the steel mill in uh, Falston. Uh, I thought it was necessary for me to quit college and go home and get a job possibly in another steel mill and help out the family. So I packed up, went home, stayed home for about two weeks, as I recall it. And then one day, the president of Westminster College drove to my house and, in so many words, called me aside and told me, Satuki, I'm not asking you to come back to Westminster. I'm telling you, get back there where you belong. You're going to mean more to your family uh, with this education you'll get rather than go somewhere and work, you're probably thinking about going in a steel mill. And so uh, he and I were were very close, and uh, I just treasure those moments with him in getting me back to Westminster. Judge, in 1998, you were appointed judge of the Court of Common Pleas in Beaver County. What did that mean to you to be appointed a judge and also the fact that you were the first Afro-American judge in Beaver County history in its 200-year history to be appointed judge. What significance did that have for you as well? That convinced me of uh, what I was taught from my young years on, and that is that with God, all things are possible. And as I look back over my life, I'm convinced that my life did not develop by way of what might be called happenstance. I believe my life has been and still is being orchestrated by divine power through my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe the people I've told you about thus far and many others— were utilized by my God and Savior to get me to the place and places where God himself wanted me to be. And I believe that he is still doing that because I think as his wisdom is leading, guiding, and directing me that he on occasions is using me to speak truth not only to youngsters, but to people middle age and uh, my age, which is a bit older than middle age, and let them know the truth about our spiritual life. Because man is basically a spiritual being, and sad to say, that fact is often overlooked in people's lives. We are comprised of spirit soul, and body, and it seems too often we concentrate strictly on body and what we think and how we feel, and uh, it's sad because as I look back over my public school life here in Beaver Falls, I was blessed in a time and in a day that devotions, biblical devotions were held in our school system. Prayer was held in our school system, and it's sad to say that that's not the case any longer. Even at Westminster, two years of Bible were required to graduate. 
That is not the situation as I understand it today, but we need to encourage people generally to realize that their existence is based upon their creator, and we only have one creator. Judge, let's switch gears here for a second. You were an all-star athlete at Beaver Falls in three different sports, and again, excelled at Westminster at a higher level. What was your favorite sport when you were growing up? That's an easy question to answer. Whatever the season was, if it was football season, it was football. If it was basketball season, it was basketball. If it was baseball, it was baseball. Simple as that. Was there any coaches in high school that you really liked or you thought a lot of? Well, I mentioned uh, Abby Walton. Uh, He reappeared in my life as an assistant uh, coach in my high school days. And I remember he pulled me aside one day and he he just looked at me. He said, Tookie, I want you to understand. He said, you seem like you have a little man inside of you who keeps driving you and driving you and driving you. And I just looked at him and smiled. But he was one of the favorites, and I I did have some uh, good coaches. Uh, Leland Shackran influenced me quite a bit in baseball, and also uh, my basketball coach, Ed LaTaglietta, uh, had quite an influence on me. I remember Coach LaTaglietta wanted everybody to shoot fouls underhand, and I asked him one day, I said, Coach, I said, can I try shooting them one hand? I said, I think I can do better. He said, no, everybody's going to shoot them the same way. You know, One day after practice, he said, Took, come here. He said, take the foul line. I want you to shoot some foul shots, 25 of them, is my recollection. I hit 24 of them. I said, now can I shoot? No, we'll see about it. So next game, he said, go ahead and shoot them one-handed. But anyhow, that uh, is something I remember. The coaches really impacted my life. Now, was your question – Strictly as to high school coaches or college? Your high school. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Well, how about college? Well, in college, uh, Coach Harold Burry, the head football coach, had a great impact upon my life, uh, as well as the assistant football coach, Buzz Riddle. And Buzz was also my head baseball coach. But one thing I really recall vividly about the head football coach, Burry, He benched me my freshman year in practice, and that had never occurred to me. Uh, And uh, he he said, James, get out of there. He said, give me a back that wants to run. And so I was sitting on the bench there, and I knew this was the turning point of my career. I, I had to do something. And so I got up enough nerve to jump off the bench and go over to him and say, Coach, if it's all right with you, I'd like another chance. He says, sit down, I'll tell you when it's time, you know. He told me to get back in a little later. We were just running back punts, you know. He was saying I wasn't running hard enough. On one occasion, returning a punt uh, and coming back after it, I looked over out of the corner of my eye, the sideline, and he was shaking his head up and down to Coach uh, Riddle saying in in so many words, he's all right. So I finally figured out he wanted to see if there was enough tiger in me for me to become a titan at Westminster. And that same coach who benched me as a freshman uh, named me team co-captain my junior year and my senior year. I say all these things so that young people will know not to misinterpret guidance and criticism from coaches, because if they're worth their salt, 
And they are in most cases. They mean you well. And youngsters should not uh, misinterpret those attitudes and instructions of coaches. You're widely known in the area as Tookie James, one of the coolest nicknames around. How did you get your nickname? That's always been uh, a question I could not clearly answer, except some of my older siblings say that because there were like so many children in our family, there was one lady in the neighborhood who took such a liking to me. She'd come to the house and get me and take me, you know, to her nearby house. And they say she did a lot of baby talking with me, tickling me under the chin and saying, tuckle, ticky, tickle, and tookie come out of her tookie. You know? <laughs> That's the best I can describe that. Judge, now that you're retired, you've had a chance to look back on your career. Is there anything you would have done differently? I would like to think that I would want to have been more studious and more seeking so far as the Bible is concerned, because as I grew older, I began to realize that the answer to every problem in life is contained in that Bible. And uh, I recall when we lived on Mount Washington, uh, my younger brother Harry and I would walk from Mount Washington down to uh, where Tabernacle Baptist Church was around uh, 6th Street and uh, like 3rd Avenue in Beaver Falls. And we were taught in our Sunday school class a verse that began to stick with me in later life, and that verse was something like, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I just believe that I could have been of more value had I become more learned in uh, the Christian life and applied it earlier in my life, but uh, I'm just thankful it was not too late that I, I really became to know God's reality, and I've been in, intending and attempting to share His reality with others. Judge, a final question I have for you today. You've been such a positive role model for many years in our community. If you could convey one message to the youth of today, what would it be? I think I may have already touched upon it, perhaps uh, maybe more than once. I'll endeavor to uh, uh, state it perhaps uh, in, a, in a shorter way. And I would encourage the youngsters to get on their own what they are not allowed today to get in school, and that's the knowledge and the teaching of who Jesus Christ is, why he is, and who we are and why we are. That there's a purpose, young people, in life. You are here for a reason. It's a twofold reason. Number one, we are to behave ourselves and to do things and say things in life that glorify or uplift the name of Jesus Christ. The second thing in life is we are to enjoy our Lord and Savior now and forevermore. There is a life after this life. We need to prepare for that because of what Jesus did 
on the cross at Calvary. We cannot be good enough on our own, but he has left with us the power to be what he wants us to be for our eternal good. And the Bible says, believe on the Lord and thou shalt be saved eternally. Judge, it's been a pleasure spending time with you. I want to thank you for coming down to our museum. Your words are very special, and they mean a lot to the community, and we just want to say thank you for taking part in our podcast. Thank you for this uh, very important opportunity, and uh, I, I continue to pray that your organization will completely be the success for all time that it has been thus far, and we expect it to continue. Well, thank you, Judge. Thank you. And thank everyone for being with us today on our podcast. And to learn more about the Larry Bruno Foundation, please visit our website at themagicalcoach.org. But I'm going to be back again and again, and I promise you the next time I'm back, I'll be here in the library more than I was in the past, I might say. Thank you. You are listening to a production of the Social Voice Podcast Network.